Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. He is risen indeed. Amen. Come on, come on, come on. We, we are so glad you are here this morning. We welcome you. Let me go back to that video you just saw real quick. Next Sunday, we'll be celebrating uh, baptism, water baptism. It's one of the ways that we uh, scripturally follow the Lord in obedience in our relationship with him. It's an outward visible way to kind of identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just a step of obedience. It's something meaningful, something lasting, something powerful. And if you've not been baptized, I encourage you to do so. And uh, we, you can sign up online or you can actually go to guest services and they'll be glad to help you there. And then next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, also starting a brand new series called Faith and Reason. I cannot emphasize to you enough the importance of this message, this series, especially in the days that we live in. You must know why you believe what you believe, and you must be able to, to convey that in rational, reasonable, and civil ways. And uh, we're going to be uh, exploring and exploring deep. And so come and be with us uh, starting next Sunday. Well, again, welcome. I'm glad you are all here. Um, some of you are here all the time. Uh, some of you only come on Easter. It's good to see you again. Some of you just come Christmas and Easter. That's sometimes referred to in church circles as the poinsettia and lily crowd. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. Some of you rarely ever go to church. Some of you never go to church. Some of you, this is your first time at church. But I just want to say to you, I am so glad you're here. I welcome you today, and I thank you for being with us today. I do. I, I believe that you, that while you're here, that you on some level, you're honoring the resurrection of Jesus. That's important to me. That's important to us as believers, as followers of Jesus. It's important to us as a church. So I thank you for that, and, and I welcome you. Um, I also pray, I pray that today while you're here, that you would sense God's presence in, in a way that, that makes you want more of God. And I pray also that the truths that we share from God's Word today, I pray that they'll resonate in your heart. And again, I'm glad that every one of you are here. This is our fifth of 31 services that we're going to be doing. No, it's a... Actually, this is our fifth of six services. It has been fantastic. And by the way, could you help me welcome the people in Overflow? Help me, help me welcome them. And help me welcome our internet audience as well. We welcome you. Uh, prior to this service, with all the services so far this weekend, there's been over 4,000 people join us online and uh, so it's just remarkable. We love having y'all with us. We do. We do. Well, Easter, Easter, um, what a season. Um, I read the other day that it's the worst time of year for baby chickens. Because <laughs> they're so cute and everybody wants to buy them or give them away. And, you know, and then we're tired of these things. They're a pain. And so, you know, we'll leave it there, okay? Um, but the resurrection. Easter, resurrection, somebody rising from the dead. That's abnormal. 
That's unusual. Um, our culture has tried to embrace it in different ways. Um, you know, there's the zombie craze, you know, of books and movies and television. It seems to be on the wane just a little bit, which is probably good. Um, I was, though, uh, just a week or so ago in traffic. I pulled up behind a truck at a traffic light, and it had two very official-looking stickers on the back of, of his truck, and it said something about that he was uh, certified and qualified in case of a zombie invasion. <laughs> and I got up next to him in traffic. He looked pretty sane. Uh, so I'm thinking he borrowed the truck. That's, that's what it was. Yeah. Hey, this is, uh, I'm going to take a, go out on the edge just a little bit. Can I tell you my favorite zombie joke? If it doesn't go good, I, I won't do it next. So, okay. Do zombies eat popcorn with their fingers? The answer is no. They eat their fingers later. My wife is giving me a look. Okay, forget that one, all right? Hey. Well, Easter, resurrection, somebody rising from the dead. I heard about a guy, he flew into a major city, and at the airport he hailed a cab, and he's riding the cab to town. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a drive, traffic and so forth, and, and he's sitting in the back of the cab, uh, going over his schedule. He's on his phone, returning a few emails and so forth. And about 20 minutes into the drive, he's got a question for the driver. It's been quiet to that point. And uh, so he reaches up, taps the driver on the shoulder and says, hey, buddy. And about that time, the driver just, just screams and veers through three lanes of traffic over to the side, goes up on the curb, almost crashes into a building, comes to a complete stop. It's just still for a moment. And the guy in the back of the car said, whoa, what was that? And the driver said, I'm really sorry. He said, I'm really sorry. This is my first day on the job as a, as a cabbie. He said, for the last 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. <laughs> you could imagine, right? Well, for real, Easter... Easter for Christianity is the Super Bowl, and we win. The cross, the cross without the resurrection is meaningless. The cross without the resurrection is just a tragedy. But what we have, we don't have the cross by itself. We have the cross and the resurrection. And what I want to do today is for us to look at this and put something together here to realize that Jesus died to give you a meaningful life. Jesus died so you could have a relationship with God. Jesus died so that you could have a home in heaven one day. But what about now? What about in between? He rose so that you could have power to live this life. And that's what I want to explore a little bit this morning. There are three major events that we kind of mark in the life of Jesus. I want us to think about them just for a moment. The first one is the manger, Christmas, the manger. The manger speaks to us of extraordinary love. This is the entrance of our Savior into the world. But realize, too, that Christmas without Easter doesn't make sense. And then we have the cross, the cross. And the, the cross speaks to us of extraordinary humility, an extraordinary sacrifice. And again, it, me, it brings completion 
to the manger. And then today, we look at the empty tomb. And the empty tomb speaks of extraordinary power. Everybody say power. And understand this, power always has a purpose. And the power that we're going to look at today is its purpose in our lives and how it can help us. E. Stanley Jones said that earth's darkest day and earth's brightest day are only three days apart. And today we celebrate the brightest day. Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter 1. As Paul says, I also pray that you, say that's me, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. That's that extraordinary power for us who believe in him. Verse 20, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Then look with me in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. These among many other scriptures, we gather this, that the very same power, get this, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our lives. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for our lives. You see, the resurrection brought about new life for us. It brought about salvation. It brought about a relationship we could have with God. It brought about a home in heaven, as I I talked about. But we are in between receiving the Lord. And if you've not done that, I pray that you will today. I'll give you opportunity in a little bit. Between receiving the Lord and then going to heaven. And I want to go to heaven. I just, I don't want to go before lunch. I don't want to go right now, you know, because I think there's something to do yet, you know, and, and heaven will last a long time. I only want to go when it's my time, right? So I'm going to back away from the edge here. But, um, but it's the in-between. Everybody say in-between. That's where we need some help. You won't need any help in heaven. And you've already made a mess of everything prior to Jesus. And we're having a hard time in-between. It's in-between. And you might be here today and say, okay, resurrection, exciting, wow. I mean, I've, this is my fifth service plus two rehearsals, and, I, and I'm, I'm crying and rejoicing every time during all the music. It's just so, so powerful. We have something to sing about. Amen. We really do. And so what about the in-between? That is where the power comes to bear. The very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to help us in our lives. And we need some help in our lives. We need some help in our lives. Now, um, since this is called resurrection power, and remember that all power has a purpose. Power actually has assignments to it as well. Think about it even in your own household, how it gets directed. But since it is resurrection power, it can affect any part of your life. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. It can affect any part of your life that feels lifeless. Anything in your now, in your in-between that maybe is damaged, dull, numb, dying, dead, that's what resurrection power is for. If I, if I have a title for today, it would be this, Alive Again, Alive Again. And again, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to make areas of your life alive 
again. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We just talked about baptism. And just as, everybody say just as, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Let me hammer it home one more time. That in the same way, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to help us have newness in life. To, to come alive again in areas of our life. And that's what we want to explore today. So many things, so many things come and damage our lives. You know, there's events, there are things that we've done, things that have been done to us. You know, uh, all kinds of things. People come into our life, people go out of our life. Uh, people pass away, crisis happens. So many things come and they affect us, they damage us, they can cause us to feel lifeless and we need to come back alive again and I want you to know that that can happen and I want you to know that that is the purpose of the power of the resurrection. Now this is a little different as far as how I normally would do an Easter message but I want us to look at things just a little bit differently today. Sometimes we read the events of Easter and other events in Scripture, we read it just so up close that we slice it up too much. Okay, Jesus did that, so-and-so did that, this happened, and we just have all of that. I think sometimes we do well to back up and get the bird's eye view. Go 30,000 feet and kind of look down on this, and you'll see some patterns. You'll see some real intentionality, especially about Jesus. So Jesus is risen from the grave. He's alive again And he seems to go after some things that cause us to die. Not physically die, but emotionally die, spiritually die, and so forth. And he seems to want to go and address those things because he wants to help us be alive again. And in particular, he goes and he finds a couple of people. We're going to look at two of them this morning. He goes and finds them because he wants to address these things and he wants to bring them back alive again. And the first issue that can kill us, so to speak, is doubt. Doubt. Everybody say doubt. Everybody here's had doubt. Everybody here's had doubt. And what happens with doubt, it can kill our faith. Doubt can kill uh, the life that we seem to feel sometimes. Not physically, but I'm talking about emotionally and spiritually and uh, our positivity and so forth. Doubt can come in and dash it and damage it and wound it mortally and and kill it. So as Jesus goes, like with an agenda, like on purpose, he goes to address doubt. He goes to a man named Thomas. Now, traditionally, how how is Thomas referred to as? (laughs) Doubting Thomas. You know what? I think it's an unfair rap. I really do. We label him that way with the convenience of 2,000 years of armchair quarterbacking I'd like to see any of us in Thomas's shoes, sandals, <laughs> Crocs. I don't know where they were. Birkenstock, what, I, don't, I don't know. To be in his role, let's understand a little bit more about him. And actually, I would like to relabel Thomas, not doubting Thomas, honest Thomas. Because he had questions. Everybody say Questions. That's what doubt is about, that you end up with questions. Think about Thomas with me for a moment. He wanted to believe. He wanted to believe. He followed Jesus. He was close to Jesus. He was loyal. We'll look at it next week. He actually asked a number of questions of Jesus. 
And here he is following Jesus. And can you imagine the joy and the excitement and the life that he's feeling, the things that he's observing and witnessing and, and you know, looking ahead, looking ahead to this kingdom Jesus spoke of, of setting up. And then guess what? Are you ready? You ready? Then the cross. And now Jesus has died. And for Thomas in his mindset, everything has changed. Everything's been ripped away. And now it's not just that Jesus has died. It's that this is not the death of Jesus. This is the end of Jesus. And you ready? And his faith died. It killed his faith. And and listen to me. Sometimes hard times produce questions. I'll say it again. Sometimes hard times produce questions. And so Thomas had questions and it killed his faith and Jesus has gone from his life. Has it happened to you? Have things happened in your life before? They've happened in my life before. I'm thinking all the way back into my childhood and, and growing up and there's, there's a number of different seasons in my life where I had things happen that damaged my faith that at times you know, almost killed my faith. If you're with me at all, am I talking to the right people in, in here? I can remember, how many of you grew up in church, pretty much? Some of you all grew up in church. Okay, I did not. I did not. Um, We were pirates. (laughs) But then when we all did give our lives to the Lord, I was about 12 years old. And I was so excited. I genuinely gave my heart to Jesus. I genuinely gave my life to God. I had my own prayer life. I began to study and read God's word. And then all of a sudden, these people that were so, supposed to be about love were fighting and, and bickering and splitting. And I thought, this stinks out loud. And there was hypocrisy and there was legalism and harshness and judgmentalism and all kinds of things. And I just thought, I, I don't want anything to do with this. And and I had to go to church because my stepdad and my mom said, you live with us, you go to church. So I had to go to church, but inside I'm brewing. And I'm thinking, you know, when my optional age comes, which means when I can drive, I'm not going here anymore. What was wrong? My faith had been killed. My faith had been damaged. It might have happened to you. might have happened to you. Maybe an event happened. Maybe, Maybe... crisis happened, a trauma happened. Maybe, maybe you had some of the same experience. Let me tell you about a guy. He's written an international bestseller called The Da Vinci Code. It's about a guy named Dan Brown. Bottom line, he's trying to debunk Christianity through this novel. The story goes that the curator of the Louvre, it's a museum in Paris, um, has been murdered and they're following the clues and the clues lead them to start to find other clues within all the works of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Just seeing if you're with me. Leonardo da Vinci. And they follow these clues, and long story short, they decide that Christianity was made up, that it's all a farce, that Jesus wasn't real, that he's not deity, and, and just it's an effort to debunk Christianity. Well, he was interviewed because he's writing another book. He's written numerous books. And the interviewer asked him these questions. Listen, he said, it's clear that you have had an interesting relationship with religion. What is it? Are you religious? 
And Dan Brown answered, I was raised in the church. And I was very religious as a kid. Then in eighth or ninth grade, I I studied astronomy, cosmology, and the origins of the universe. And I went to my minister, and I remember asking him, saying, I don't get it. I read a book that said there was an explosion known as the Big Bang. But here in the Bible, it says that God created heaven and earth. Please help me, which is right? And unfortunately, the answer I received from my minister was, nice boys don't ask questions. Brown goes on to say it was right then and there that a light went off, killed his faith. I decided the Bible doesn't make sense, and I just gravitated away from religion. And here's the thing. He's gifted. He's a communicator. He... He is set up to communicate to the world, global bestsellers. But because his faith got killed, his message is broken, and his broken message cannot help a broken world. I've actually literally prayed for him this week. God, would you please, would you please make his faith alive again? Will you come to him in some way through someone, and will you make his faith alive again? And what happens for so many of us, the path that you're on, the place that you are at in your life right now, you might have dead faith. You might have damaged faith. You might have, you know, severely injured faith. And Jesus can make it alive again. Let's go back to Thomas, because Thomas shows up and the apostles, the disciples are gathered together and they said, Thomas, you should have been here. Jesus came, which let me point out to you, that means this, never, ever miss church. Okay. So Thomas was absent. Let's go ahead and read it in John chapter 20, verse 25. They, the disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them. And placed my hand into the wound in his side. Verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, note this, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Bookmark it right there just for a moment. As before. Well, the time before where he showed up and Thomas wasn't there, they were locked away. They were, they were locked up in a room and doors locked, windows pulled, and Jesus just came into the room. Jesus doesn't need a door, okay? And Jesus wasn't banging on the door. He wasn't standing outside the door texting them saying, somebody please come let me in. He just came in. Door was no problem, came right on through. As before, he did it again and was standing among them. And what did he say to them? Boo. No, what did he say? Come on. Peace be with you, he said. Look in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, now look at this. I believe that Jesus was making his way. This was very intentional. I've got to find Thomas. He made his way to Thomas and he said, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Look in verse 28. My Lord and my God. Thomas exclaimed, guess what? Thomas is alive again. He's alive again. Now, here's here's what it is. When Jesus came in and he got before Thomas, he didn't cross his arms and just shake his head. 
He didn't berate him. He didn't scold him. You know what he did? This is my take. He said, Thomas, I'm big enough for your questions. Check me out. I'm big enough for your questions. Check me out. And as Thomas did, he realized that Jesus was more real than he ever knew him to be. And his faith came alive again. Next week, when we start into this new series, I want you to know this. And I want you to know it here today that he's big enough for your questions. He's big enough for your hurts. He's big enough for all the things that, you know, along the way, I wonder, I wonder, I don't know why, how how come he's big enough for your questions. And as you check him out, I'm telling you what, you're going to come to the same conclusion as Thomas. Another thing that can kill us, so to speak, is failure. Failure. Everybody say failure. Um, And this is the thing about failure. Failure makes us dead. Not physically. I'm talking about spiritually, emotionally, in other ways. Failure kind of kills us or it at least damages us. So I've kind of made a list of some of the biggies of failure. And as I read them, will you please stand up? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) But come on, let's go there. Let's think this just for a moment. These things make us feel dead. When you violate your own integrity... Perhaps you had a divorce, a DUI, got fired from a job, had an abortion, paid for an abortion, got arrested, had an affair. You've been living loose and promiscuous. You become lazy. You have an addiction. Your finances are in a total mess. You've been stealing. You're dealing with pornography. You've been lying. You're dropping the ball ball as a parent. You've drifted from everything good. And I could go on and on, but here's the thing. You want to keep it all hidden, and it's killing you. What do we do? Jesus went to a man named Peter. Peter... Hey, don't get sad. There's good news coming, okay? Because I'm like, man, I was three times on that list, okay? (laughs) He goes to a guy named Peter. Peter was one of his uh, most loyal followers. He'd been with Jesus in Jesus' earthly ministry for three and a half years, roughly. He was without question the most energetic, boisterous, outspoken, committed follower and then on the last supper you remember that you've seen pictures of that the last supper my question is why they all sit on one side of the table I think it was for the picture yeah at dinner Jesus said one of you is going to betray me tonight Peter goes it's not me it's not me is it Jesus it's not me I won't do that one of these other guys is not me And Jesus addressed Peter. He said, but you know what? You're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times before the rooster crows. I'd never do that. You have me confused with some of these other guys. I'm your man, Jesus. Well, the night goes on. Jesus is arrested. And 
Peter follows. And I'll just briefly tell you this. Somebody said, you're with him, weren't you? And what did he do? No, not me. Not me. And he denied him. You know what I think started happening? I was thinking about this the other day. I was reading over this, sitting on my front porch. I actually teared up a little bit. I think he st- his, something started to die in him right then. And just a little bit later, he'd moved over a little closer to everything. And somebody said, oh, you, you're with that guy, right? And again, he goes, no, n- not me. I don't know who you're talking about. And then a little while later, there's some people around a fire because it's, it's chilly. Several are warming them around the fire, and Peter is there. And a young servant girl says, oh, you, you were with Jesus, weren't you? And he cursed. He's not even a cusser. And he cursed. And he said, I, I've never known him. I don't know him. And three times he denied Jesus, just like Jesus said. And then do you know what happened? The rooster crowed. And he goes, oh, gosh. And I think it just kind of killed him inside. Add to that then, before that day is out, Jesus dies on the cross. And most of the disciples forgot the whole thing that Jesus said. They heard him say time and time again, he said, the son of man will die, but on the third day he will rise again. And they kind of forgot about that. So now here's Peter living with all of this failure. And what did he do? He went fishing. Which means this, he went back to his old life before the Lord. Can I tell you, don't do that. If something happens to kill your faith, if something happens to kill you on the inside, don't go back to your old life before the Lord. There's a reason you left it. And you're not good back there anymore. Some of you are thinking, I'm going back. I used to dance a lot in the clubs. I'm going back. What? Amen. It was awkward and weird back then. (laughs) And it's been too long. Don't go back. Okay? Don't go back. But he went back to that old life and he's fishing. And look with me, if you will, in John chapter 21. At dawn, Jesus and the disciples are out fishing. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach But the disciples couldn't see who he was. Verse 5. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. Bookmark it right there just for a moment. When Jesus first called Peter, the same thing happened. Peter was out fishing. said, did you catch anything? No. He said, throw it out on the other side. And he caught so many fish, the boat was about to sink, the nets were about to break, and Jesus gave him his first new beginning. Jesus is about to give him his second new beginning. Can I tell you something that our risen Savior is all about giving you a new beginning? And I've had a lot of them. Listen, and when you blow it, when you blow it, he makes you alive again. And gives you another new beginning. He's about to give Peter a new beginning. So they did. They threw the net out. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved. Who? What? Who is this? Oh, it's the guy who wrote this account. John. (laughs) Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
And when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work and he jumped into the water and he swam to shore. And verse 8, the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And verse 9, and when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus had cooked breakfast for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And Jesus then during breakfast... He got with Peter. I think he was so intentional. That's why he was there. I got to get to this guy. And he asked Peter a question. Does anybody remember the question that he asked? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he asked it not once, not twice, but three times. And Peter got to reaffirm one, two, three times. Yes, I love you. You know I love you. I love you. Three times. It's significant because he denied Jesus three times. Now he gets to reaffirm that love three times. And I want you to notice again, the question was, do you love me? The question was not, what were you thinking? The question was not, can I ever trust you again? The question was not, Can you promise that you will never do this again? That was not the question. The question was this. Do you love me? Look at me. Get get this. Jesus is more interested in your heart than in the mess you made. Jesus is more interested in your relationship with him than the train wreck that you caused. It's all about relationship to him. And Jesus comes to Peter and relieves him of this and makes him alive again. Amen. Three things mark you in this life. What you have done, either through ignorance or rebellion or whatever, what you have done, that marks you. Another thing that marks you is what was done to you either through carelessness, hatefulness, just plain evil. Those mark you, what you have done, what was done to you. And thirdly, this is the biggie that marks you, what Jesus has done for you. I want to remind you that he died to give you a meaningful life. He died so you could have a relationship with God. He died so that you could go to heaven one day. But he rose again from the grave So that that power could be applied to your life right now in the in-between. And we fall and we fall often, but he's come out of relationship to keep bringing us back alive. To bring us alive again. Don't try to fall. Don't try to fail. Don't get careless in it. but, But love the relationship that you have with Jesus. Believe him and know that he will make his way to you. And that same power that raised up Jesus from the dead will help you to become alive Again, let me end with this, that the resurrection is a reminder to us that the worst thing is never the last thing. Happy Easter. He is risen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.